Greetings. Today is March 15th, 2022. My name is Christopher Hoster, and I am the founder and executive director of Opus One Berks Chamber Choir. It's my pleasure to welcome you to season two, episode five of Opus One's podcast entitled Octavo. The podcast covers pertinent topics related to the world of music and spotlights organizations and individuals who are making a difference in our artistic community. Each podcast has a main theme or focus and features guests with knowledge or experience in that particular area. Our last podcast aired all the way back in December, and on it, we discussed our concert, Christmas in Paris. We had a conversation with Mary McCormick Architowski, one of our five soloists, about her preparation for the event. And we also spoke with Jay Worrell, the president of Helping Harvest. In addition to collecting food donations at our Christmas in Paris concert, Opus One also raised $500 for Helping Harvest. podcast is entitled The Music of Ukraine. Today, March 15th, is the 20th day since the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The UN's refugee agency puts the number of refugees who have fled the country since late February at around 2.6 million, and the agency estimates that number could reach 4 million if Russia's offensive continues. The West, Europe, UK, America seems to be firm in their commitment to support Ukraine and its people in defeating in defending their sovereignty and right for self-governance. Uh, in the wake of this war, a spotlight has been shown on the perseverance of Ukraine, its people, and their strong, independent, and vibrant culture. That culture includes, of course, music. Joining me for today's discussion is Andrew Skitko. Andrew serves as an adjunct voice teacher at the Hill School of Pottstown. He sings in the opera chorus uh, for Philadelphia, Opera Philadelphia the Philadelphia Symphonic Choir, and the same stream choir. Andrew is an active Byzantine Ruthenian cantor and is the founder and artistic director of Theoria Chamber Choir. Begun in 2010, Theoria is an a cappella ensemble that performs works of the Slavic sacred choral tradition. Andrew also works with the Ukrainian Art Song Project. Since 2004, the project has promoted classical treasures of Ukrainian art song with the aim to record and publish an anthology of over 1,000 songs by 26 of Ukraine's greatest composers. Andrew, it's a pleasure to welcome you to this episode of Octavo. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'm, I'm so happy to have you on here to talk to us about Ukrainian music. Um, just to start right off, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your connection to Ukrainian music? 
Um, my connection to Ukrainian music began uh, really um, culturally. Um, my, my family is of the Greek Catholic, um, Byzantine, Ruthenian Catholic Church, so there are different, different versions of that um, outside of Europe. But here in the US, I grew up in this tradition and uh, I grew up uh, singing in that church, uh, which I continue to do to this day. Um, and so then when I was a student at Westminster Choir College, I discovered through sacred music, actually, uh, Ukrainian sacred music, uh, the Ukrainian Art Song Project, which um, was relatively new, I guess, at that time. Uh, and so I programmed a senior recital of uh, two Ukrainian composers' art song. Um, and I did not know Ukrainian at the time and uh, fell in love with, with that music and that culture. I know absolutely nothing about Ukrainian music and I'll be the first to, uh, <laughs> to admit that. Um, but I've been listening to, uh, to more of it and um, I, I just find it really, really stunningly beautiful. Um, now, something that did catch my eye uh, yesterday, the Met organized a concert for Ukraine. It was a relief to benefit the efforts in the country. And um, I saw pictures, you know, the Ukrainian flag was hanging behind the ensemble. Everybody was dressed in their blue and yellow. And then they began playing and singing and it was Barbara Zadaggio for strings and Bob Pensiero from Nabucco and Strauss's four, four last song. It just seemed to me to be um, well-intentioned, uh, but, a lost opportunity when it came to promote Ukrainian music or to showcase Ukrainian music. So I, and thereby also showing Ukrainian independence. So I don't know, as someone with more knowledge in Ukrainian music, did, did, would, did something like that bother you? Or do you think it was a missed opportunity? What would you have liked to see on that program? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we I, we know they had the Ukrainian anthem. Uh, right, but, it started with the Ukrainian anthem. Uh, sure, and you know, anything that that organizations like the Met or or elsewhere are doing to to promote Ukraine and and especially right now raise money for Ukraine, um, that's a great opportunity. Uh, but I certainly certainly understand what you're saying. Yeah, there's such a um, treasure chest of Ukrainian music that exists. And unfortunately, I think maybe because people aren't so familiar with the language or the culture uh, in the West, I think it's not as well known. Um, there, I mean, there's fantastic sacred choral music. There's fantastic classical orchestral music. Um, there are operas. There are art songs. I mean, it, 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 there's so much music there, uh, and I think if there's one good thing in uh, speaking of you know opportunities or, or missed opportunities i think uh one thing that will hopefully come out of all this horrible horrible uh fighting uh, this war is that ukraine is at the forefront right now and people are are aware of this country and this culture um and so i really think that culture is going to become uh another way to fight this fight this Russian uh, attack on their culture. And um, hopefully people will become aware of all this great music that exists in Ukraine. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. And actually going along with that. So, you know, it's, I, I mean, obviously now it's really strange to say, but like when bombs are falling down, you know, music is not being able to be made in Ukraine. Um, but, you know, there was a story also yesterday in, at, in NPR and they were talking about artists who were fleeing to the countryside, but still creating art on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, loose scraps of um, wallpaper, like with charcoal. Yeah. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, doing illustrations, um, you know, this one illustrator was doing illustrations with sunflowers and skulls, and it was, you know, very dark stuff, or, you know, pools of blood and things like that. I'm interested, like, we're talking about exposing Ukraine culture and art to the world because of this crisis, but in what ways do you think that Ukrainian culture is going to be impacted going forward, and what you know, how will the art be changed from what it would have been otherwise? How do you think, do you, do you have any thoughts about that? Do you think that uh, music well, is going to be affected in the same way? Uh, I would imagine this is going to have a definite uh, significant impact on the, you know, kind of collective consciousness of, of Ukrainians in general in this culture. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would... I would predict that that would be reflected through the art as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I think so too. Um, and in some ways, I mean, it, it already has um, just because of Ukraine's history and sort of going back and forth, being part of the Austrian Hungarian empire and being part of the Russian sure. empire and then being an independent yeah. country and then the Soviet union and then being another independent country. It's sort of being nice. thrown back and forth. So I guess it's, it's well, and a lot of the music actually that that uh, is in within the, the repertoire of Ukrainian art song, uh, you know, this music was written illegally because uh, at the time under uh, Russian rule, they had made Ukrainian language illegal. And so a lot of these composers were risking their lives to express these poets in art song and with music set to their words in Ukrainian. Um, and so that's kind of especially poignant, I think now, given what we're seeing happen again. Right. And, you know, I was, yeah, I was looking up different composers, you know, in the different time periods, musical time periods, and um, not finding a lot during the Soviet rule from, from Ukraine. <laughs> but then after the Soviet uh, empire fell in, in the 90s, it, it just seems like there was this, you know, expansion of, of, of uh, the vibrant culture of uh, musical culture of, of Ukraine coming to life, sort of. It just, you, yeah. know, you know, there was sort of nothing. And then all of a sudden there was, boom, everything. We have well, they, yeah, and they were certainly there, but Russian, Russia certainly did a good job of kind of burying those that were there um, composing at that time. So definitely um, that's, uh, that's something Pavlo Hunka, our, our, the artistic director of Ukrainian Art Song Project, uh, has really been phenomenal with unearthing so many of these things that were lost or buried, you know, people didn't know about. Um, and so, yeah, I, I urge your listeners, if they would like to learn about this, definitely check out the Ukrainian Art Song Project. Um, we've got some bios up of composers that, that were writing during that time. Uh, and um, hopefully they can, they can learn about some of this great music. So talk to us more about the, that Art Song Project. 
So, so uh, we we know that it's it's to promote Ukrainian music. What sort of programs do you do you have running, and what kind of things did you have you done in the past? Sure. Um, it was founded originally uh, to to begin recording this music. Uh, the first recordings were by a composer Kirillot Stetsenko, and um, they they continue to grow from there. And it's a fantastic uh, group of uh, Canadian artists on these uh, original recordings um, that um, they they began uh, to to share this music and uh, since then it's developed into you know an online library where you can find the scores their their public domain uh, on the website um, which was how I did my recital of uh, Stetsenko and Lysenko, who are two prominent composers of this music. Um, uh, we, we have uh, translations, we have transliterations, and then of course there's the CDs. Um, so everything has been done by the, the Art Song Project to make this accessible to people. And it's, it's certainly one of the things that is really fantastic about the recordings um, that were done in Toronto is, these singers, other than Pavlo Honka, were not Ukrainian speakers. They're not Ukrainian even, some of them. Uh, and so it's a testament to the power of the music and the, the, I think the beauty of the music that uh, there are people who believe in it and who are touched by its beauty and want to be involved with sharing it and recording it. Um, so that was something really, really special about that. Uh, since then, uh, the Art Song Project developed the Summer Institute, and that was held um, for a couple summers uh, up in Toronto. Uh, we had it at the Royal Conservatory there, and it was an opportunity for young artists to come. And again, many were not Ukrainian or connected through culture to Ukraine, but uh, they loved the music and we would spend, you know, a week preparing a, a performance with uh, Pablo Hunka uh, of these art songs. And um, it was just, uh, it was, it was really doing well. And then of course we had COVID and we had to stop with that for a bit. Hopefully it'll be up and running again. Um, and uh, for, um, I guess it was one summer, there was also a similar summer program held at Lviv at the, the opera house there. Um, and which I was uh, involved with as well over over in Ukraine. Um, so yeah, it's it's constantly surprised me how um, not only through Ukrainian art song, but also Ukrainian sacred music, which, uh, as you mentioned, is something I've been involved in with uh, with my chamber choir. I'm constantly amazed how people are so moved by the beauty of uh, Ukrainian music and how people who eat, who have no understanding of how to pronounce Ukrainian or the language or you know anything like that they still want to do it because it's it's beautiful repertoire um and uh, so I'm sorry it's a very long way of saying that uh Ukrainian Arts Song Project uh has I think really helped people discover this this music and this culture that's fantastic Talk um, more about sort of what I'm sure like to our listeners, um, maybe not so familiar with Ukrainian music or art song or or the the sacred music. What you know? What does it? 
can you put it more in terms of sort of the Western tradition? I know that's sort of odd to say, but what what are things that um, the characteristics of the kind of music that they would recognize? You know, I know that like in the in the late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, we were dealing with this nationalistic wave, and you know, art, uh, art song and choral music and instrumental music was all sort of influenced by you know, folk song or folk qualities of, of, of individual areas or countries. You know, I, I'm sure Ukraine went through that same kind of period where, where folk mm-hmm. music was sort of infiltrating classical genres and, and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, there's certainly a Ukrainian flavor to, uh, well, it depends on the music, but uh, for, like, for example, if we're talking about sacred music by um, like Bordyansky, for example, he was a, a very famous Ukrainian sacred composer, um, but he studied composition in Italy. And so he kind of got that Western classical style, but then also was able to weave in his cultural Ukrainian element into his his sacred music. Um, with the with art song composers, um, yes, absolutely a, a noticeable folk element within the melodies. But again, this is music that um, if you didn't know it was Ukrainian, you you could almost say, oh, that sounds like German leader or French melody. Um, and so it's it's something important for listeners to know that. I think oftentimes people hear Ukrainian art song and they they imagine like an accordion and a folk song or something, you know, of this style. And of course, that music exists. But um, at least with what I'm involved with, with the art song project, um, this is this is music that is art song. It's uh, it's music that sits on that same artistic shelf as Schubert, as Faure, as um, I don't know if I'd say Copeland, but you know, this, these kinds of art songs that you would take a course in, in, in music school. Um, it, so it's high level poetry, high level composition, um, voice and piano or voice, piano, violin, or cello, depending. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's not, um, it's something that you you would and we hope more people will program in recital, you know, like at a music school, for example. Um, but yes, you you do hear that there's something that sets it apart from other art songs in other countries. Absolutely. It retains that flavor and that identity, uh, which is what makes it so unique and so beautiful. I'm guessing that you, you would hope that more people would be programming Ukrainian music in their of in course, their, in, their <laughs> ma- in their master's recitals, and yes, <laughs> and and we're happy to help them. And 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 anybody that looks for scores, they can find it at, at UkrainianArtSong.ca on the the project website uh, in Canada. Uh, and and obviously, we're trying to make materials accessible for anyone who wants to do that. And actually, there have been uh, there have been um, students and singers uh, around the world who have done that, and we're thrilled uh, when we find that out. So that's that's the goal of what Pablo Honka has been doing. That's wonderful. I mean, it's a wonderful. And it's more important now than ever, now than ever. And it's something I mean, even myself as a a singer, I I hope now to uh, begin doing some recitals to support Ukraine, raise money for Ukraine and promote Ukraine and its culture. Uh, And I have colleagues who who are prepared to do the same. So it's just a matter of preparing for that now. (laughs) 
Yes, indeed. Yeah. And I, I hope the music gets more of a spotlight on it. I really do. Um, because yeah. I, I was listening to some, I'm familiar with some, some things, but um, sure. I was digging in a little bit more before this, before this interview. And it, it, it's just breath, some of the music is just breathtaking. So I'm sure yeah. Opus One will be programming more Ukrainian music coming. Great. <laughs> but we may not, we may need help with the language. I just tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We have people who can help with that. That's, that's true. Yes. Great. Well, well, thank you, Andrew. I mean, is, is there anything else you wanted to sort of highlight or talk about? No, I, I, I certainly just want to say thank you so much for, for featuring uh, this on your podcast. Thank you for making people aware of Ukrainian musical culture and Ukrainian culture in general. And uh, I just hope your listeners uh, feel that this is uh, something that they want to support. And uh, certainly all the work that you guys do in Reading with your artistic projects as well, Ukrainian or not. Uh, but we certainly will be thrilled to know. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll, no, we're we're thrilled, and those of us who who are so deeply connected to Ukraine, uh, it means a lot to have have the the support right now. So we want to say thank you. Well, you have all of our thoughts right now. So thank you, thank you, Andrew. For more information about Opus One, visit our website, www.opus1chamberchoir.com.